I am Dr. Emmanuel Aiko. The early signs of a heart attack can vary. The most common include squeezing across the chest, a feeling of unease, and a sense that something just isn't right. It can be easy to dismiss the early signs of a heart attack as the symptoms don't always feel severe. It's never too early to call 999 and describe your symptoms. Your NHS is here for you. Well, look at this! Here's the guy here just in the nick of time. What does that make us? Big damn heroes, sir. Ain't we just? Welcome to the 81st Annual Golden Globes. I'm your host, Joe Coy. Look, I'm just taking this all in. Let me look, look around. I'm taking this all in. I'm so excited to be here. Um, this is a dream come true, not just for me, but for everybody in here. We all dreamt of this moment. And look at this. Look at this room. Look around. I mean, like, like look around. Look, Kevin Costner's here. Kevin Costner's <laughs> Kevin Costner's never here. Kevin's like in a mountain with a cow or something, but today he's here. The computer system post office spent an arm and a leg on is faulty. No one else has ever reported any problems with Horizon. No one. You're responsible for the loss. I haven't got that money, and I don't know where it's gone. These deficits were most likely caused by you. That is the post office case. All our hopes, all our savings down the pan. That was a lie. Hello and welcome to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM, the film and TV radio show where a handful of film enthusiasts shoot the breeze about all things film and television. I'm Marcus Iaco and I want to say a Merry New Year to everyone who is listening to our show. I am producer Dave and uh, yeah, I'd like to say Happy New Year to all and sundry, everybody, um, including those people who don't listen to the show. Um, hopefully during the course of the year you'll you'll come to your senses and start listening yeah we don't care about people who don't listen until they start listening then we care about them so (laughs) producer dave how was your new year how was your christmas and new year uh christmas quiet and new year's was even more quiet apart from watching the fireworks uh that was that was a lot of fun but uh yeah that was celebrated with a glass of bubbly there was a load of other things going on but yeah that those two Bits were, yeah, they were quiet and uh, nice and restrained. Um, it was too cold for me. Yeah, fireworks are too cold for me to watch. So yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I, I must admit, on Christmas Day, I was at a friend's place and they cooked, and it was really nice to not have to think about that. To be quite honest, yeah. No, I mean, that, that's. I mean, I I enjoyed the Christmas. We had friends over, got to watch some stuff on TV, which is what we like to chat about. In fact. Let's just jump straight into that because there are a couple of things that one quite not controversial, but yeah, a little bit controversial. What did you get to watch this year, this this Christmas uh, on on television? 
Uh, I saw loads of stuff, um, lots of reruns and stuff like that. I didn't watch the drama about the post office, which um, was shown on ITV and which has caused that, such a massive Alan, ruckus. Alan Bates versus the post office, right? That's it. I didn't. I didn't watch it. But I already knew the story. I'd known yeah. the story from for several years now, and um, I knew that would just watching it would annoy me. So um, I didn't watch it. I, and I'm kind of disappointed and disgusted. And this is me personally, but disappointed and disgusted that the politicians who knew about it for such a long time and I turn around and say, oh, we must do something. Oh, we must speed up the compensation and this and that and the other. You didn't need to wait this long to, to have the public really furious at you. You should have done the right thing at the right time, which was deal with it. 2024 has brought a new producer, Dave, a political producer, Dave. He's going to fight the power. Stefan, I'm doing that right now. <laughs> no, well, no, I mean, that that was really, 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 really disgusting. I mean, they've known about it since for over 10 years and they set up something to pay the compensation and they kept it really quiet and they dragged their heels and it's 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 the same thing they do all the time you know they did, they're doing the same thing with windrush as well the, the people who suffered uh, who came over on windrush and who got treated so badly they are doing exactly the same thing it's it's you know every time they have these things where they have to compensate people they tend to drag their heels to the point where people start dying off and then they turn around and say, well, they've died now, so they don't need to be paid out or what have mm. you. They, they just irritate me, frustrate me, and sicken me in some respects as well, oh. well in a lot of respects. I, I know I know you said you didn't you didn't watch it and you you are absolutely right in the fact that if you're watching it, it is going to annoy you even more. I I started watching it yesterday because you can get it on I, ITVX. Um, and it's I think it's still showing on ITV on on live as well. So you can still watch it on TV or on ITVX, definitely. Toby Jones, fantastic. I think it's Will, is it Will Meller? Um, he used to be in, um, was he in Hollyoaks? I think he was in Hollyoaks. That's where I first saw him. He's fantastic. He's cracking in it as well. And yeah, it's sort of what you get to see them go through. And I know that's, there's going to be an argument. People, there are going to be people that are going to argue that, oh no, well, it's just dra dramatized, especially. And it, it really is kind of a shot in the foot at the very beginning. It says some of the scenes are imagined, and there are going to be those devil advocates. They're going to turn around and say, oh well, it wasn't as bad as they're making it out to see because they even said it in. And that's the point, right? That's the problem. The problem is people are going to watch that and try to defend the actions of the indefensible actions of. The, the post office. We're just going to say the post office in general because I know this is we're straying into political territory, but hey, we're there now. Um, but it's sort of in. I, I was watching news this morning, and you had a list. Of, there were there were six or seven uh, um, sub postmaster. Um, you, the, you know the the victims of this whole scandal that had occurred. They were on BBC. And there was a politician who had, who they were having a remote interview with him, and he was talking about what the plan was. And they were asking him, are these people going to be held accountable for what they were doing? 
And the response shocked me because obviously he was a politician, giving politician type response. But the thing that shocked me was was the, the fact that just without batting an eye, had the nerve to say to these people who have gone through years, so in some cases, decades of going through being accused so harshly by everybody around them, the political power, the 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 post office being called all sort of names, some even criminalized, some even thrown in, into prison. And then the politician said, oh, we know that that was bad what happened to you, but we need to take our time and do a review to make sure that, you know, the, the, the people are brought to justice. It's like, you're, you're so, look at how slow you're taking it with the people who did the actual wrong things. But when it came to those who are victims, who the victims who suffered the injustice that you think, it was speedy. It was like within days, it's literally, they were like, nope, we need to get all that money back. We don't care that the system we gave you to use was faulty. You're the one we had the contract with. You owe us all this money. Give us the money or you go to jail. And it's like the speed at which they took to do that. But when it's your turn, just to be accountable, you're like, oh, no, no, we need to go through the review. So that, that you're right in not watching the show because if you're irritated now by knowing the story, you're going to be irritated even more. You're going to take to the streets and start burning some stuff down just because, it, 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 anyway, it, it's it's uh, Alan Bates versus the post office. It's on ITVX. Let's let's move on, shall we, producer Dave? Let's move on before I okay. get on my box. I'll, I'll tell you one thing that I did watch over the Christmas period, um, and you're going to be shocked at this. Um, <clears throat> I bought this film not long after it came. Well, a few, a, a year or so after it came out, I bought it on DVD, and gosh, I had it. It was still in its wrapping. I only took it out Christmas time, and thought. I want to watch this now, and I watched it. It was Memento. You haven't seen Memento? Nope, hadn't seen Memento. I had it. I had the DVD sitting there. Every time it came on TV, I, I, I just wasn't in the mood to watch it, so I didn't watch it. And I watched Memento. Uh, what are your Chris, thoughts? Chris, Chris Nolan film, yes? Yes. Right. He also did Tenant, didn't he? He did. And I have to say that watching... I had seen Tenant. I, I went to see it in the um, IMAX yes. when it first came out. Um, this was just after the pandemic. They, they were touting it as the, the one that was going to save cinema, which it didn't at the time. But when I was sitting there watching Memento, I thought to myself, I recognize this from Memento. If you watch Memento, I, I mean, yeah. Tenet, if you watch Memento, and then you watch Tenant, you're going to see there are scenes that are similar. And they're both ultimately circular because you know what happens with Memento at the beginning yeah. and at the end. And it's the same with Tenant as well. And there are scenes that just reminded me of, when I was watching Memento, there were scenes that reminded me of Tenant. And I was thinking to myself, I see where some of the, his ideas came from for that. Mm -hmm. And I thought, yeah. I mean, I really liked Memento anyway. Um, I, thought, I was kind of 
surprised that I've waited so long in some respects, but you know, it takes, it, you know, it takes its time and it's sunk in and everything else. And I re just recognized elements of Memento, um, Tenant in that. So yeah. You, you, when you watch Memento, if you watch it back again, and you you will you will see loads of elements throughout most of his films, how he just like connects, and it's like the the inception of this idea came from here, or he's repeated this bit in there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you're right, you're right. It's I'm surprised it's the first time you're seeing Memento. I I want to go back and watch it again because it's such a great film. It's it's so it just for those who don't know Memento. It, it follows uh, Guy Pierce plays. I can't remember his name. Yeah, Guy uh, Pierce. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he he plays a, a character who has suffered and has suffered a, a, you know an incident that has now left him only being able to have memories. I mean, he can, he still has memories up to a certain point in his life, but he can only retain. He can't he can't even retain memories, any new memories, and he basically reverts back to his starting point after every 15 minutes so by that what i mean is up to a certain point in his life something happened and from that point onwards he can only carry he can he can work and then 15 minutes later he goes his memory goes back to that inciting incident and as we find the, he's been experiencing this for years only being able to remember the last 15 minutes and so on and in, in order to help him carry on with his life, he puts tattoos on his body to re, to re, remember certain things, certain people's names, things that he's done, and so on and so forth. Great, great film because it's also done backwards. That's the it's just terrific. So you're seeing so essentially, you see something. This a, a scene starts, and you see him doing something, and then 15 minutes later is where you find out why he was doing that thing in that position in the first place and it's it's like because there's this one bit where he's running and you see him flash and he, he he wakes up and we start the scene with him running and you're thinking and he's thinking okay so i'm running um i'm running uh who am i running from uh well there's that there's, there's that guy over there let's ask him he pulls out a gun he's like nope i'm running from him <laughs> <laughs> yes it's a great, it's a great, great film. I love that film. Um, but yeah, I, I'm gonna watch it. I didn't watch anything as great as Memento. Um, <laughs> the one thing in particular I watched over Christmas was uh, What If, which is the second season of uh, the What If Marvel. You know, MCU. They have the 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 What If TV series, which is animated. It basically follow it follows the the um, MCU characters, the Marvel Cinematic Universe characters, but in a, uh, a parallel or alternate universe. And the whole idea of the concept of the idea is what if? What if this had happened instead of this? And there's this character called Watu, who is known as the Watcher. They're these alien beings who their job is just to watch what's happening in every universe. Uh, they don't they don't they don't intervene they're not supposed to intervene they're just supposed to watch and they are our narrators or rather Oatu is the narrator and so in season one was great i loved season one it was very very good it took the concept of you know what if um uh peter quill uh, sorry uh, t'challa had been abducted by um by what's his name 
the Michael Rooker character, oh, the one gosh. with the whistle and you know and the and the and the arrow and whatnot. Uh, oh, his name just I, yeah, I, it just I, I, popped out of my as well. Yes. So, uh, what happened if he had kidnapped um, T'Challa, T'Challa instead of, instead of um, uh, Peter Quill? So you get to see that story where essentially T'Challa becomes a Star Lord rather than Peter Quill. And then what happened if um, uh, what's his name Killmonger had rescued Tony Stark at the beginning of Iron Man? What happened? And so what happened if Captain Carter, or you know, if um, Sharon Carter had been the one to become? Captain America or other Captain Carter rather than Steve Rogers and so on. So you get to see all these different stories and, you know, the what if stuff. And it, it it's great. Season one is fantastic. It culminates to the, you know, guardians of the, of the multiverse, if you will, with all these different diverse characters coming together, fighting uh, an Ultron that holds um, the gauntlet with all the, the, the stones and so on. Great first season. The second season, on the other hand, oh, I did not like the second season. Um, it, some episodes were good. There was one where, what you know, what if um, Nebula joined the Nova Corps? That was a great episode. It has Howard the Duck in it. Um, it it's very, it's a very good episode. But then there were other episodes where it's like, well, that led nowhere. That just there's nothing. And then another episode was like, eh, nothing. And it's like there was no no tie. No, you no tie like in the previous one where first it started off with disparate characters, but then there was a significant tie that brought all of them together, and it brought to a massive great climax. This season, they tried doing that, but the climax was rushed. It was like, oh shoot! It is it, almost like you thought they were doing different stories, and they just realized, oh shoot, we're coming to the end. We need to try and tie it all together. Uh, here, this guy pops up, and he now becomes the bad guy. And this one from here needs to join with this one from here, and they need to fight. And that—that's pretty much how the second season finished. And it was like it was ridiculous. It's—it wasn't that great. Which kind of is leading to the whole idea of, and it's not that Marvel are not having good ideas anymore. They—they they have the ideas. They—they they have the material to reap from. They're just not using it. The last couple of years have been terrible for MCU. Save for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which was amazing. And uh, what is it? Uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. Those are the only two MCU products since Avengers Endgame. Not Endgame. Since, you know what, in the last two years that I will be like, amazing. I'll happily go back and watch again. Love and Thunder didn't. I, I'm a huge Thor fan. I'm a huge Taika Waititi fan. Terrible. I didn't. I didn't like him at all. I was like, it. It, it was. It, it was too. It was like, ugh. You you play. You played too much. Then you talk about Ant Man and Quantumania, which uh, Ant Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. That I watched it. and I was like, yeah, it's all right. Not that great. Um, start as Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. That was okay. It had its moments, and it was. They had some strong parts. But you watch it again and you start to think, was it that great? It wasn't great. It was all right. Some Sam Raimi, fantastic director. And the scene in Doctor Strange in Multiverse of Madness where I'll just call him Zombie Strange. Amazing. Amazing. Okay. So I'll add that to the list. So those three. Uh, don't okay. forget, because um, you mentioned uh, the what if. 
And yeah. in the multiverse of madness, um, you also had Captain Carter in there as well. Yes. And I, yes. I thought that, that was a true. nice yep. little tie, actually. With yeah, what? That, and that's the, that's the same. That's to say, yeah, the same what if, the same character, the same voice actor. It's uh, what's mm. her name? English uh, actress. Um, name escapes me, but she was, yeah, she comes back. A lot of them come back and and uh, voice the characters and whatnot. Um, but yeah, so I, I watched that. I was like, I ended with meh. And I don't like doing MCU movies and going meh. I like to go, yeah. But anyway. Well, but you know what I did? I just sorry, just to add this along. The the one thing that I watched that cleansed my palate was, um, Slow Horses. You seen Slow Horses season three? No, I haven't. No, I haven't. I haven't even watched all of season one yet. But going back to MCU, when I looked at the first load of films from MCU, I I, I get the feeling that they were like this round of films for um this iteration of this phase of MCU, because they were all kind of like introducing characters that you didn't know, or you, you, were, you were aware of, but you didn't know that well. And they, they were just individual stories. Um, I'm kind of, because of what happened with the actor who plays Kang, I'm kind of um, wondering what they're, gonna, what, they, what they're gonna do with that, to be quite honest. Yeah. I'm very interested to see what they're gonna do with that. Um, we, we'll, we'll see, we'll see. Um, we're gonna we're gonna talk about slow horses in the next season, in the next episode. I want you to I want you to watch it because I have one major complaint with it. Every, apart from it, it was great, but I have one major complaint. I'd like you to watch it so we can talk about that if that's okay. Hmm. Okay then. Oh, in our first episode back from this year, we're gonna be talking with the ever glamorous, ever fantastically talented Jenna Suru. Um, but we'll jump. We'll save her for the um, spotlight section. Let us jump straight in. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Akko. And I'm producer Dave. And this is Film and TV News. So early in the week, we had the 81st annual Golden Globes ceremony, that uh, prestigious and yet electrifyingly uh, controversial uh, <laughs> award ceremony, which at one point in the past, I remember a time when it used to be considered so prestigious that it was it was sort of, you know, a barometer of what was going to pick up an Academy Award a few months later. Then it had the whole scandal because of the Hollywood Foreign Press Association only uh, putting uh, nominations up for people that they wanted to mingle with, like the Angelina Jolies and the Brad Pitts and the Johnny Depp's and all that kind of stuff. And then there was the other scandal about it was a Hollywood so white um, scandal or whatnot. Anyway, it's back. And this time it's having a brand new scandal with Joe Coy, the comedian crashing and uh, and burning and in his monologue mm -hmm. uh, which, which i watched i watched a little bit of it and i think okay there's some bits that are cringeworthy some but some bits he actually starts with are actually quite some solid jokes that land but i guess it's just the fact that it's usually the golden globe um presenters are like seasoned hosts 
like the Jimmy Kimmel's and the Billy Crystal's and the Tina Fey's and and of course you've got Ricky Gervais who is not really a host but he goes up there and it's just to, to terrorize Hollywood and everybody loves it uh, but he's an unknown who steps up and uh, sort of bricked it but anyway we're not here to talk about him uh, we can talk about him another day uh, but the Golden Globes happened there were some nominations And producer Dave, did you get to see any of the lists of people who won? Uh, yeah, I've got the list of people who won. I, I I didn't bother going through all the nominations. I just thought I'd just could see who won. Sure. So so we'll we'll just focus on some of the big ones. So not not all, not all of them, not most of them. We we'll just go through some of the very big ones. Like for example, best film from the from the list of nominees, you had Oppenheimer, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Past Lives. The Zone of Interest, and Anatomy of a Fall. First well, question that like I always ask you, pretty Dave. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Sorry. Yeah, go on. Barbie wasn't in there? Not in, you know, because that's best film drama. Oh, right, okay. Because that's the thing with Golden Globes. Golden Globes are different from, like, Oscars because they want to give as many prizes to as many people, so they have many new categories that they throw in there. Um, while and this one has been going for quite a while, where they, where they'll do best film, they will separate drama from uh, comedy and musical. So they'll keep them separate. That way, they can put more films up and uh, more films can get nominated. Um, first question I want to ask: Have you seen any of those films? Um, I don't think so. I've got Oppenheimer yeah. on my list to watch. Yes. I've been nagged quite quite a lot about that. Yeah, for me, Oppenheimer and Killers of the Flower Moon are on my list. Maestro's on Netflix at the moment, but that's uh, uh I, 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 I'm not that interested in seeing it. I didn't really know um the the character that um what's his name? Oh, I keep forgetting his name. Very Brand Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper. Uh, Bradley Cooper plays. I can't remember the character's name, but either, either way. Uh, anyway, for uh, best film drama, Oppenheimer won. Um, and Oppenheimer racked up a whole bunch of prizes. You had best female actor in a film in drama, Lily Gladstone. She uh, she won. She beat a whole number of people from that film, uh, from from other films like Kerry Mulligan from Maestro and Annette Bening from Niad and Greta Lee from Past Lives and so on and so forth. Uh, then we had best film, musical or comedy. This is where Barbie was in the list of nominations. So you had Barbie, Poor Things, American Fiction, Ho The Holdovers, May, December, and Air. And this is where Barbie lost because Barbie didn't win. Barbie got, it was uh, Poor Things that, uh, that that won it out. I I think Poor Things is the, oh, I, I, I will butcher his name if I try to pronounce it, but it's the director, if I'm not mistaken, is the director from, uh, from oh, what's the one with, with, Olivia, oh, not Olivia Wilde. Um, the British, uh, my, you know me, I'm terrible with names. Um, but I can picture her in my head. It's not, it's, it's not the Queen. It's, oh, I can't. I, I'll, after this episode, I'm gonna be screaming at my, at myself because I'm gonna be the names are just gonna be flooding into my brain. But, um, but anyway, it's got Emma Stone in it. So that one is the one that won. Then you had best male actor in film or uh, uh, sorry, in film, musical or comedy. Nicolas Cage won for Dream Scenario, which is a very interesting concept of a film. 
Um, I, I don't know if you've if you've heard of Dream Scenario. No, not at all. It, it's a film where Nicolas Cage plays this this uh, unassuming uh, professor who just for some reason seems to pop up in people's dreams. So just randomly, not like not he's not like a protagonist in their dream. He's just there's someone's dreaming of something very very random, and they just happen to spot him walking around in the background, and so sort of the entire town start to come up to him and say, you were in my dream last night. And he's like, what? And it becomes like a whole phenomenon type thing. And he starts to realize that he can actually manipulate himself, what he's doing in dreams and so on. I want to watch the film. I've seen the trailer for it. It looks really, really good. So I want to check it out. Um, anyway, let's skip from, from that. Let's move on to uh, some other categories. They were their best TV series drama. Now, this is where Succession crushed. Because Succession, in Best TV uh, Series Drama, it beat The Morning Show, which is on Apple, which I've seen and I really like. But I knew Succession was going to beat it anyway. The Last of Us, which is on HBO or on Sky Atlantic. Love that that show. Um, seen that one. The Diplomat. I haven't seen that one yet. Kerry Russell. Uh, I've got that on my list to watch. And then The Crown, which I think is the one that's on Netflix. Which... Best one, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's, it, if out of all of those those shows, The Crown is what I would have expected would have beaten Succession. But Succession has had such a wild ride this year um, that it was it, it was obviously going to going to win. So it, it picked up best TV series, and then you had other people uh, from The Crown who were picking up not not The Crown, sorry, from uh, Succession. They were picking up in their variable various character uh, categories like. Um, the uh, best male actor in TV series, where you had three people from The Crown being nominated. You had Kieran Culkin, Jeremy Strong, and Brian Cox. All three were nominated in the same category, leaving Pedro Pascal, Gary Oldman, and Dominic West uh, as the only people who were not in succession for that particular category. Kieran, Kieran Culkin. Culkin, is he uh, related to um, the other Culkin? He is indeed uh, it, Macaulay Culkin. He is uh, the younger brother to Macaulay Culkin. Um, in, in fact, both of them are in Home Alone. He, he's he's one of the brothers in Home Alone. Um, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, there was that, and then there's uh, best female actor in a drama series in a, a TV series um, was taken by. Uh, it was again. Oh, what's her name? I, I had the list. I had the list right here. I'm just skipping from one bit to the next. Um, Sarah, Snook, Sarah, Snook. Sarah Snook. She took it for Succession as well. So Succession just basically cleaned up on the TV drama side of things. Um, it, it's so producer Dave, you've got the list. Is there anything in particular that you saw that jumped out at you as something that's like, oh my goodness, I, I'm surprised that won, or I'm surprised that didn't? I'm surprised that Barbie didn't win best motion picture musical or comedy okay but i was uh flabbergasted that it won uh, with the cinematic and box office achievement because i'd never heard of that category before uh, the cinematic and box office achievement yes straight up that's one of those ones where it's like you know they created the category because they wanted barbie to win um so i i i think i think i don't know i'm just guessing I haven't seen Barbie. It is on my list. I do want to watch it. I'm not one of those people who are like, oh, I'm never going to watch Barbie. I do want to watch Barbie because I, there are a lot of actors in it that I really, really 
uh, enjoy their work. So I definitely want to check it. Margot Robbie, she's fantastic in everything that she's done. Um, but I think in terms of, I mean, it, it, um, his name is on here. In fact, I just saw his name as I was flicking through the list. The director of Four Things, Yorgos Lanthimos. That's his name. So Yorgos Lang Lanthimos. I knew I was going to butcher his name if I didn't read it. Um, so I think it's a case that it was, it was, he, you know, there probably was a lot of love for poor things on the critical front in, in the jury. And as such, they were like, well, everyone is either going for Oppenheimer or any of the other ones. And we're not, we're not giving any love because Barbie didn't get any love whatsoever from any other categories. I, I think it lost with the exception of best original song, I think it lost out on pretty much every other character and every other category. I think it won um, two songs, two songs, and then that best, that cinematic and box office achievement. Did it win two songs? Yeah, I think there were two songs. Um, I had a lot a different list. This short list is only just got the main categories, but. The long list I saw, it, there was two songs that it seemed to have come out with, but okay, because it, it yeah, I, 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 I know, I, yeah, I know in best original song there were three songs from the film that they were nominated, and so just same as uh, Succession, uh, so three songs got nominated, one one from there. Um, so I think with the idea of the cinematic and box office achievement, they decided to just create that one, and I guess in the sense it does deserve to win because. Um, if I were to compare Barbie to all the others that are on that list, Barbie is the one that has it, it's broken box office records, right? So it, I it, because and that's the thing that's that's where I believe in terms of cinematic and box office achievement, it is the highest. Um, and we we can Google this really quickly to double check. It it broke the record for highest. Um, uh, what you call it? What is it? Oh, box office uh, result for a female director, um, which all the other ones are all male directors, and you're pretty much expecting you got Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, which that's is not expected to. It's expected to thrush when it goes there because you've got the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe that's coming back. It's also a sequel and so on. In fact, all this one was actually going against, with the exception of Taylor Swift, the Eras Tour. Um, and Oppenheimer and Super Mario Bros. movie. So, so those three, Oppenheimer, Super Mario Bros. movie, Taylor Swift, uh, uh, Eras Tour, Barbie's the only other one that is not a sequel. You had Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, John Wick 4, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1, and then Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. So you've got all of these other ones that are there that would be expected to make money. Mission Impossible actually apparently lost money. And uh, so I, I don't know why that's on the list. Um, yeah, I seriously don't know why that one's on the list. Uh, Taylor Swift, yeah, sure. I, I think that should have been on the list. But obviously Barbie won that category because it did crush on records and whatnot. But uh, yeah, anyway, so that was the Golden Globes. I guess the next uh, set of uh, awards coming up is going to be the Emmys, which is going to come out after we've done the show. So we'll look forward to seeing and talk about that next week. And then it's uh, BAFTAs and then it's Oscars. So let's uh, let's see how that goes. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. And I'm producer Dave. 
And we're going to jump into Spotlight, where we'll be talking with the beautiful, gorgeous, talented, glamorous Jenna Suru, who's going to be talking to us about the Paris International Film Festival. This is Spotlight. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. And I'm producer Dave. And for our Spotlight segment this week, once again, we have fan favorite, one of our great, great friends. Please tell us your name and, uh, and, and what it is that you do for a profession. Hello. Happy New Year. My name is Jenna. I'm glad to be back on this amazing show. To shoot the breeze with you, Marcus, and of course, producer Dave, who's probably the most important person among us. <laughs> I don't. I love this show, <laughs> and, and we love having you on as well. It's like every time it's almost oh, we we basically we've had this conversation in the past. You've been across the what seven years that we've been running this show. You have been the most consistent guest has been coming back on, giving us film and TV news and what you've been doing, updates. And you're the, one of the, the busiest people I know in the film industry. And we're just happy to have you back on board just to add a touch of glamour to to our our, our, little, our little show, our, our, our humble little show. And just as we were talking about in the news, uh, obviously you've got Golden Globes just, uh, it just came out and uh, obviously the French connection, we had the winner of the uh, of adapted screenplay, Anatomy of uh, of a Fall. Uh, I haven't seen this film yet. Uh, Jenna, have you seen Anatomy of a Fall? Uh, in Cannes. It's, it's just, um, it's such, a, it's such a, an achievement for, for cinema, I would say. I want to talk about it too much. Um, I just think that, you know, like starting 2024 with such an honor for uh, French production and, and French cinema in general, it's just it's it's a great sign. It is it holds so much promise to the future in my eyes. But I'm just so excited. Like just talking about it, I'm like super excited. <laughs> uh, and obviously, as talking about uh, obviously now we're going into 2024. It's January. It's pretty much the start of award seasons. We had uh, Golden Globes. We've had Emmys, and we're having another prestigious uh, f- uh, French festival film festival that is rapidly approaching which you are connected to isn't that right Genesu? Le Festival International du Film de Paris yes Paris International Film Festival that you both know really well but only virtually so far yes well see this is the thing it's like and you, you were talking just before we jumped on 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 the recording uh that it's Paris is just uh, it's a hop hop jump hop and skip away from where we are and it's it should be very easy for us to get to get to paris so it's it's producer dave's fault that we haven't actually made the trip down of course (laughs) of course it's always my fault (laughs) we haven't even started 2024 properly and i'm throwing producer dave under the bus uh but we will do our best we will see what we can do we'll move chess pieces around to make a physical appearance at the Paris International Film Festival, which uh, um, our our glamorous guest, Jenna Suru, is a film festival director uh, for the Paris International Film Festival. For those people who've never heard of the festival before, Jenna, please tell us uh, uh, what the festival is about, 
how it came about and some of the big names of big films, the big uh, choices that are going to be made or categories that are going to be appearing at the, film, the festival. Don't forget to skimp out on screenwriting because, you know, some of us have uh, ha have the pleasure of having some awards in the screenwriting category uh, for Paris International Film Festival. But I'll let you talk about that bit. Oh, yes, a couple years ago. That was a great one. Um, so this year we are opening at the same main venue, which is Le Champeau. Um, in the Quartier Latin, this is the fifth arrondissement of Paris for those of you who've visited Paris before. Um, we are delivering the selection right now. Uh, I think um, this year we actually trying to think, yeah, no, we, 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 ha we do have a, like a star film. Uh, there is definitely a star film and, and some of the films also were lucky enough to receive an Academy Award uh, as we are discussing the Golden Globes uh, news, um, which which is fabulous because um, the, 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 the cinema in general, but also in particular this one, really is the, probably the venue in Paris for patrimoine cinema and... and um, French cinema at large, which is the share of uh, visions, which is also sometimes the share of inspirations, like François Truffaut's, uh, who called it his second university. And for us, for the team, um, for the teams who are traveling to see their film screen on that screen, and usually they do travel from really far, it's a way to celebrate. I believe that celebration of cinema is highly um, underrated. This is why I really appreciate you, Marcus, and, and you, producer Dave, for mentioning the Golden Globes. I think it's really key to uh, share cinema properly and celebrate also the moments that make cinema useful uh, for students, for, for over cultures. Um, and yeah, this year, uh, I don't know where to start. I think all the films are just um, holding a very special place in the heart just because the selection that we and it's funny I'm not even talking about you know uh, a, a, appliance anymore I'm not even talking about the films we are receiving I just feel that what we're receiving is already a selection because uh, the films are all, always so great so we are actually working on um, a virtual also um, version of a festival to add up at some point just because we have too many great films and it's just impossible to you know screen all of them Physically, you know, even can come do that. <laughs> so absolutely, absolutely. I'm, and a lot over the few years that um, the Paris International Film Festival has been running, we've had the honor and pleasure of interviewing a number of different uh, uh, participants, uh, from uh, you know, Simone McIntyre for uh, Tree Fell Today uh, to uh, to uh, the the crew behind um uh, explanation and uh, alex liu i'm just i'm shooting off off my head some of the the great filmmakers that we've had conversations with uh from paris international film festivals a lot of them a lot of those films we know and those filmmakers we know give them a few more years three to five more years and they'll become household names they'll probably be making it big in hollywood and whatnot and we know that we first found them from uh paris international film festival don't now, forget the um uh, the uh one that was nominated for the Oscar, uh, Aluka Chu. Yes. yes, exactly. Uh, uh, somebody else who that was another filmmaker from the Paris International Film Festival. Um, and one of the things that you've mentioned on previous shows, Jenna, where you've talked a lot about uh, the fact that the filmmakers 
are one of the things that the films in the Paris International Film Festival actually have is their emphasis on technique and engineering and uh, and uh, and you know how how the the mechanism behind the actual filmmaking, not just the stories they tell. But another thing as well, I mentioned it a little bit earlier about the screenwriting uh, and uh, and sort of the scripts, the screenwriting categories. W what in particular, from what you've seen from the people who are contributing this year, what can you tell us in the way of screenwriting uh, assistance with the festival sort of provide? Will what what is what has stood out to you in terms of the scripts that you've been reading? For the festival application this year, rather than just the films that are coming out, the you know best screenplay category and various categories, what stood out for you? You don't have to tell us any names in particular or any scripts in particular, but what in particular has has stood out to you in the scripts that you've read for this year's uh, selection? Indeed, as we do, as you know, also have a screenplay competition. So what stands out is probably it's interesting because. I'm really amazed in particular by the um, scripts from the feature films this year. Uh, we we have a lot of comedy that we are diffusing, you know, in February. Th this will be a highly, uh, uh, I think, a comedic selection. Um, not all films are comedies, but there is a lot of comedy in each film, if that makes sense. Uh, our theme for this year is what's important is to participate. This is probably a little bit in the shade of the Olympic Games coming up. I think for cinema, there is so much to share. Um, so one of the central days will invite the co-writer of The Red Suitcase, which is a short film that was nominated at the Academy Awards. And it didn't end up winning. I think it's an Irish goodbye, which picked up the Man Award. Um, but this writer will be sharing tips with our audience at Le Champeau. So this is our main venue. The opening is very important. It's the moment where usually at a festival, you can also um, meet with the teams from any film. You can also uh, share your own experience because our, I think the teams behind this, these films that we select are very um, open also to receiving you know, feedback on their films. Uh, we we always also um, try to be as flexible as we can in terms of meeting and greeting. So yes, it's mostly share of experience. It's probably inspired by also the neighborhood which we are in, which is the center of the cultural Paris. I hope we do get to Montmartre this year. Last year we were too exhausted from all our activities because there is also the forum. Uh, Paris Film Region Forum on the first day, which is the opening day. So we are, we will be going there, you know, to meet with the rental providers, the financiers from most of the regions in France who do finance cinema and not just French cinema. We are very lucky to welcome many international productions still. So uh, I would say, yeah, there is, I mean, this is probably the one time in the year you want to be in Paris. If you have any interest with francophone uh, filming in francophone countries, or if you have any interest in distributing your film in French-speaking territories, this is the one moment of the year you want to be in Paris. Right? And and just, the, so that's right away. Absolutely. And the festival is running from the 7th all the way up to, to Valentine's Day, right? To the 14th of, of February. Yeah. Yes, so if, yes. 
Yeah, so if you're if you're interested in obviously spending Valentine's Day with that, that special someone, uh, where else would be would be best than going to the Paris International Film Festival and closing out the festival in the city of this is considered a city of, of love and romance at, at, at in and fourteenth of February in the Paris International Film Festival. Now, Jenna, let's talk about you because every time we you get we get you on the show, you're always very busy with numerous projects that you're working on. Um, what it, what are you working on at the moment? What projects are you currently working on at the moment? Oh, I'm actually working on a screenplay myself, but this one, I think I mentioned it quickly on the previous show. This one is, is, is more like, um, um, and you know, it's, it's not, it's not as prominent as Anatomy of the Fall. It's, it's, I think it will be a wonderful indie, indie feature film. Um, but um this one yeah i think i think it's one i've been developing for you know it's a it's a covid movie <laughs> i i wrote it during the pandemic i think as we were developing this show uh talking about you know the festival um and yeah i mean i, I i'm just i'm just really excited i know that um we'll have it produced very soon and i'm just i'm, I'm just really enjoying the screenwriting process right now because it's the first time that I'm exactly you know co-writing with a writer whose work I know really well and with a French writer so this this will be you know a, a film that will be written by four hands and I think that's really that's a big step to be able to collaborate because as as what I love about this show aside of you both producer Dave and Marcus to be great friends I love that you are all about collaborating. You've been supporting the Festival International du Film de Paris for three years, I think now. I mean, that's kind of a long time. Uh, we are a relatively younger film festival. This will be our sixth annual edition. And I think, um, you know, what really makes um, a film successful is without a doubt the strength of um, friendships, collaborations, family sometimes, you mentioned how you can spend Valentine's Day in Paris if you spend your whole honeymoon during the festival. That wouldn't be unheard of for us. I think it's it's um it's very um it's just the strength that you can dig from um partnerships in cinema and in particular in those phases that are key, like the screenplay or filming, or that could easily be post-production, uh, is just unheard of. So we are excited because, um, you know, as, as we are massively involved with the festival, we all have our own projects and we can always support as much as we can. I think this is also what, why, why we are so lucky is that we, 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 we are actually set in a country that is highly supportive of cinema. There are so many opportunities, so many funds, the landscapes are incredible. The crew are just crazy, incredible. It's just so easy in a way. So it's very precious what we have. And so we try, as you said, to have a proper, to make the proper connection so that those projects can be elevated in a way that's meaningful to you. And you've been doing a lot for supporting filmmakers across the years, not just the Paris International Film Festival. I know that you've been working with a number of other uh, filmmakers, especially uh, to boost women in film. You've got a number of projects across the years uh, that you've been grateful. We've been grateful that you've been able to come on our air and talk uh, talk about those uh, those collaborations that you've had with different people. We cannot wait 
to see the next film that you've done. Uh, Large Door was a brilliant piece of of cinema uh, for your debut. You pretty much were all hands on deck. You got it done. As I said, the very first time I watched it, immediately threw me back into those uh, French films from the 60s and the 70s that I, I grew up watching. And I was like, it's, it's exactly what it is. And uh, we can't wait for the next one that you've got, uh, you've got coming up. Uh, so Jenna, I want to ask you, you, you've talked about the fact that you're doing writing collaboration with a number of different people. I uh, just want to make a quick plug. You listen to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. And I'm producer Dave. And we are here with filmmaker and film festival director Jenna Suru. She's the film festival director of the Paris International Film Festival, which is running from the 7th to the 14th of February in Paris. Go check out some of the wonderful filmmakers and filmmaking talent that she's got there. She's also working on a new project with collaboration with other writers. What's the one thing, I want to ask you this, um, as a writer or filmmaker working with other filmmakers, other writers on the same project. And I always ask writers who collaborate because I want to learn more from those people. Uh, what is the one thing that you can give as advice for people who are going to work with others to collaborate on a script together. So you've got one writer, you've got another writer, everybody's got their own ideas. There might be different power structures within the, the partnership. What's the piece of advice, the one piece of advice you would give to aspiring writers who want to collaborate with other people? It's always hard to know where to start from. So my one piece of advice would be to never question the rules that the audience give you. Um, I, th I think what really impresses me about writers, actually are writers who are able to collaborate because I mean, this is also our goal today. You know, writers, I think, you know, enough happens so that they, they know more than well that um, it's mostly about the human collaborations and, and the, the way you can really grow a story. Uh, and that's something you know, only humans can do. Only humans can imagine um, what a human is. And so being able to grow what the audience want to see, what's really entertaining, but inspiring at the same time. If, if you can, if you're able to collaborate, uh, if you're able to, you know, elevate the over writer's idea to... Um, grow it and, and also like make it a piece of um, of something <laughs> that on the big screen is both um, exciting but also meaningful. I, I think I think this is where you really want to stand because um, um, films are mostly about about the, the the story and and the dialogues and and everyone is getting his teeth or her teeth into the piece that is actually the script. So. Um, I think I would just advise to just embrace that. Just be like, be uh, really considerate of everyone who's a human and who's going to be, you know, making something out of your work because this is where your goal is. And also um, just um, having a, an opportunity to try and understand how another person is creating. I think it's really exciting. That, that's excellent piece of uh, advice. Uh, and it, I have I have had opportunities to 
to sort of reach out to work with other writers, but I've, it's never really clicked. Any any situation where it's been myself and another writer when we get together, it's always clash of egos and clash of ideas, and it just fizzles out and whatnot. So I want to use that myself personally. I'll take that advice on board to try and keep the audience as the their rules. Let their rules be what guides me and my decisions that I make. Jenna, want to thank you 100% if, again for coming onto our show talking to us about your project, Paris International Film Festival, which is going from the 7th of uh, of February to the 14th. Jenna, if people want to book uh, tickets or they want to book places at the film festival, how can they go about doing that? Please do, please do book a pass. <laughs> we have loads now that we have just actually released um, the billetry. Yes, parisintelfest.com. Reach out to us anytime. We reply via email. Sometimes social media platforms, if you're still there, uh, and you can also, uh, you know, come and see us. Uh, we're gonna be around the cinema, you know, pretty much until February now. But um, yeah, if you want to book a pass, I would highly recommend it to do that online. Uh, Parisintelfest.com. Uh, and if you're a student, you're always welcome. We know it's hard to, you know, miss class and everything, so we won't ask you to book a pass. Well, a good enough reason to miss class is to say you're going to Paris to do to get an education on life and on filmmaking and on we'll love. Take care uh, of that. You go to Paris, absolutely. You've been listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance One Hundred Four Point Four FM. I want to thank you very much for taking the time to listen to myself and producer Dave ramble and listen to uh, great advice from filmmakers such as Jenna Suru. Uh, we we can't we we don't we wouldn't do this without you. Obviously, we do this for the for the few of you who take the time out to listen. We really appreciate it. You could have spent that time anywhere else, but you used it with us, and we appreciate that. Also, want to thank Resonance FM. Go and check out all of their catalog. They've got a number of different talented people having radio shows as well. Go and support them. Great artists. Uh, go on various other shows on there. Go check them out. Um, want to say as well. Again, we've said it before, but. Uh, well, well, welcome to 2024. Let's hope for everybody, including yourself, Genesuru, that 2024 is a very fruitful year for you and for all the filmmakers who attend the Paris International Film Festival. Uh, you have been listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I have been Marcus E. Ako. I'm still producer Dave. And thank you very much for listening. And speak to you all next time. Goodbye. Bye.